Welcome to another inspirational message from City Life Center Church. If you are ever in the area, come visit one of our services. We would love to meet you. Enjoy the message. Come on, run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that's gold eternally. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it all I've got. No sloppy living for you. Are you in? Let's run to win. All right, come on, say that last part again. Let's run to win. <laughs> you guys are awesome. Thank you for being cheesy with me. It's fun. We learn the scripture that way. Have a seat and open your Bibles up to Psalm chapter number 37. Psalm 37, verse 23. Psalm 37, 23. Today I'm talking about authentic manliness as you turn to Psalm 27, verse, Psalm 37, verse 23. Get your notes out. I've got some stuff to sh- share with you. You know, what does it mean to be authentically manly? Well, last week I actually introduced this uh, series of messages. If you missed last week, you really need to get the podcast. And this is really a message for men, but ladies, you will most certainly learn a lot. Now, I want to give you guys a quick ground rules, a quick reminder here. If you missed the ground rules last week, here's just the succinct version of it. Uh, This is very unique. Men, you can shout me down. I need that. I, 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 I will verbally... Uh, your, your verbal agreeing with me helps me to preach better. All right? you, want, you want me to do If you ever want me to preach better, just give me some response. Married ladies, this is one of these unique ground rules. Times you're not allowed to elbow or to shout amen if your husband is in the room. Do you understand? All right? Because that may be an attempt on your ear end to get him to do his husbandry or his man, manliness better. And I'm telling you, ladies, I know, man, I am one. That won't work. It will actually backfire on you. So just, just, don't, just don't do that. Uh, ladies who are looking to get married, here, this is important. Listen up because the principles that I'm sharing with you are, uh, are principles that really should be at the top of your screening list for the future dude of your life. And, uh, and you should have that there. You really need to listen to this message over and over and take very, very, very good notes. And it's okay for you ladies to shout me down too. Come on, because you're cheering for the man of your future, right? Okay, here's the bottom line though. In this, in this uh, series of messages and today, men, this is it. I, I want to help you. I want to help me. I want us to have better hope for our lives. And uh, just like I shared last week, I'm still learning all this stuff. I'm not mastered at all. I'm growing with you. I'm not the expert. But I do have a message that I believe comes from the heart of God. You see, God formed and designed man. God knows how we tick, man. God does. Uh, he knows what's good for us. He knows what's bad for us. And because God created us men he is the expert on manliness because that means of being a man and and uh and if we want to know about authentic manliness then we're actually going to go to god and his scriptures because there we understand the authentic the original the real design of man now authentic manliness this is important it is defined by god and not culture. And this is, this is a, the big one here because, uh, you know, a woman wants authentic manliness in the, uh, in, as the man of her life. And she wants to see that. Yet the truth is men uh, struggle to live this out because primarily our culture is elevating something else. 
our culture actually elevates something that's called masculinity. And I, I, I'm not against masculinity at all, but, but please understand, our culture says pursue masculinity. And they, they, there are very vague definitions for masculinity based upon the even more vague definition of manliness in our culture, and it involves testosterone and growling and things. And what happens is men end up being more confused and more disoriented, and the truth is they're more out of control in their lives because they're pursuing that as the goal. See, but God doesn't say, I want you to be masculine. Now, again, I'm not against masculinity. I believe in it. <laughs> but God says, I want you to be manly. So I want you to look in Psalm 37, 23. And I'm going to kind of use this as the foundation for what I'm talking about today because, man, God has a plan for you, for your life, for your marriage, for your work. Sometimes it's simple. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's really, really, really hard. And that's why we simply have to ask for God's guidance every single day. Look at these words of David. David says this, and this is good. I, I really encourage you to even memorize this little verse right here. It says, the Lord makes firm, important words, makes firm, the steps of the one who delights in him. Two important terms in there. Making firm, as I studied this, I, I loved it because I found out that it means that God actually causes our men, he causes our emotions and our thoughts to move in such a way where we are clearly directed. See, guys, God knows how to draw your attention. God knows how to influence your thoughts and influence your emotions to move you into a certain uh, direction. Uh, we, we often call this the hand of God. It, it's actually the leading and the directing that comes from God. But we also see in that scripture there is a prerequisite. Put it back up. There's a prerequisite in order to get this from God. And that, that says it's, it's he who delights in him. In other words, that means you're really, really into God. Uh, it, it's, God is not just some church thing, but really Jesus is the center of your life. And this, my friend, works. There's a story in the Bible of, uh, of when God made woman, and he made her in the Garden of Eden, and God directed the heart of Adam toward the woman. See, God knew that, that Adam needed to move in a new direction because Adam was actually flawed. Man was flawed. So God devised a plan. So God has the plan. He put together this plan, and he moved Adam's heart to follow this plan. Man, really kind of wrapped up in this is this really important truth. It's a powerful truth. And here it is. Ladies, don't, you don't need to shut me down on this, but here's the truth. Men are flawed. I know for some of you it's a revelation. Guys, you're going, what? what? That couldn't be true. But hey, guys, it's true. The Lord God said this. This is in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. God said, it is not good for a man to be alone. God didn't say sometimes it's not good. He didn't say, well, maybe it's not good. No, no, no. He says, he didn't, he didn't say like, well, in certain cultures it's not good. This is worldwide. This is broad. This is everything. It's not good for man to be alone, period. A clear cut, no interpretation needed. See, the creator declared that help is needed by man for his own good. Guys, in other words, we need help. So God then stated the solution to the problem that men have. And here it is. He says, I will make a helper suitable 
for him. And this is where he actually created woman. Woman changed man's life forever. And she is still changing men's life forever. So, so here, here's the, here is the bottom line. This is the truth right here from the scriptures. Men are not best when they're left alone. And second, men need help. Here's the truth. The other part of the truth, the part that we know is true. We fight it. We fight it and we fight it because we don't like that idea. I look at that and say, I don't like that idea. I, I, I need to pr present it. I have to teach it because it's truth. But sometimes I don't necessarily want to expose the flaws. Because you know, we, we, we actually want to be left alone, don't you? <laughs> we don't want any help. We see ourselves as our own helpers. We don't want advice. We don't want warnings. We don't want second opinions. I mean, why do we need that? I mean, man, come on. We're independent operators. We're genius problem solvers, aren't we? I mean, we are autonomous beings. We, we have this independent authority that must never be questioned. And you know it. You do not like instruction manuals. We don't like meetings. We refuse to ask for directives when we need direction. We see absolutely no need for help, even if God has said we do. I mean, we think we're bulletproof. I mean, I even had my own bulletproof coffee this morning just to prove the point. At least we think we are, man. But in truth, we do need a lot of help. Uh, we, we need a lot of it. But when, when we don't realize that when we're pursuing our autonomy and we're striving to preserve our freedom we actually set ourselves up men for countless blunders because we tend to be too hard-headed to accept help so in general what happens is it messes things up for us and and we're basically dismissing the warning that's found right there in genesis chapter 2 that we need help and we've forgotten that god has appointed if you're married he's appointed your wife to help you men if you're married, your wives were fashioned by God to help to secure and protect and correct and give you advice whether you want it or not. And I'm preaching to myself too. I know, man, we see it as meddling and controlling. So we react and we isolate ourselves. And some men will even go so far to demean their wives to make them even feel less equal to them. And a man convinces himself, well, manliness is masculinity, and it's accomplished by me exerting my physical presence and getting my way no matter what. And then she has to deal with that. I'm telling you guys, that's not God's design. Men often act like what my mom would always say. say she would she, she help me to learn this, this terminology. When I was a kid, she goes, he's just acting like an overgrown teenager. In other words, acting immature. In my last message, uh, we learned that the, really the first foundational quality for authentic manliness is maturity. Today, though, I'm talking about the second critical quality, which is built upon the first. You have to have the first one in place as you build on this next one, but, but it is called decisiveness. I, I actually have it written into a statement here. I want you to look at it. I'll leave it up on the screens for a minute. Authentic manliness is this. It, it's where a man knows that a woman wants to be with a man who makes quality decisions quickly and confidently. See, w women know that when men will make correct choices, that that man can be trusted. And a decisive man will 
find the best opportunity. See, a woman wants to be with a life partner who is not struggling constantly with making a decision. Ladies, without shouting back at me, have you ever encountered a man who lacks decisiveness? Does he not just drive you crazy? See, authentic manliness is, is actually the way God created men to be, and we are to be decisive. And man, if I'm addressing you, you receive this. This is good stuff. See, decisiveness is, someone said it and said, yes, all right. <laughs> That's okay, decisiveness is defined this way. Take a look at the screens. It is insight in action. And second, decisiveness is also an acquired skill. It's, it's an active form of wisdom and insight. See, what happens with decisiveness is from the foundation of who you are, you know what to do, and you take action on it, you pull the trigger. It's, a, it's confident decision-making, even if you don't have all the facts and all the information. Basically what it is, it's about learning how to do it God's way, where you lean into the wisdom of God and you take smart action. See, poor decision-making has been a part of the human condition really since the beginning, since Adam and Eve. He couldn't make a decision about whether his wife should eat from the tree or not. She was not standing there alone. She was standing there with him. And since Adam and Eve, the world has been full of temptation, which is in our culture, and that's what makes it tough. I'm telling you guys, and ladies, you need to to hear this as well. Honestly, honestly, in today's culture, it is more difficult to make quality decisions than any other time in history, and I mean it. See, people do, do, people do crazy things, and they're reaping these horrible consequences all the time. See, poor decision-making is why the county jail, just a few blocks right over in that direction, is a massive building with over 3,000 people in there right now. And they're living out the consequences of their poor choices that were made before they were even incarcerated. And right over there, right down the road, 93 to 94% of those people were averages between 3 to 3,500 people at any given time. About 94% are men. Men, here's the truth. Let's admit it. We have a problem. But, but if you're going to be a mature man, you're going to own the problem, right? Let's just own it. Let's, let's, let's own the problem. Let's just own that problem that men in general have difficulty making quality decisions. I'm going to talk about how to correct that, though, today. But see, there's, there's another one that we need to talk about, and, and that's actually the fear of making a decision, and that's, that's called indecision. And indecision is also horribly destructive. It, it, it really strips a man of his manliness. Men are a lot of times afraid, afraid of people, afraid of, of, of a woman, or afraid of a boss, or afraid to make the wrong choice, afraid of getting mocked. So what men will end up doing is they end up sitting on their hands. And, and there are some, some horrible results of indecision uh, in our lives. And let's take a look at this. The, the, the results of it are paralysis, unhappiness, tie, being tied up in emotional knots and always trying to please everyone. Basically, what happens is you become emotionally sick and anemic and unproductive and you're being swept downstream simply because you couldn't make the decision to pick up the paddle on the boat and row the boat in the right direction. 
See, indecision is based on fear. And a man who lives in fear is outside of his role as an authentic man. That's, that's, that's it. I mean, man, I'm telling you guys, we can't live in fear. Because a fearful man will lack confidence all the time. A fearful man will be unstable. That's why, one of the reasons why, as a pastor, I do address that fear a lot. And I do talk about it. We, we talk about ways through that. And I will constantly do that because it's so important we conquer fear. Because fear is actually the opposite of faith. You can't move forward in your life if you have fear. But there's great, thank you, but there's great news for those of us who want to live in authentic manliness. And here it is. It's this understanding, guys. It's this understanding that decisiveness can be improved. Hey, that's good news, all right? We don't have to keep making bad decisions. You don't even have to be afraid to make a decision. You can work on it, and you can change yourself, and I can change myself, and that's actually great news. I want you to listen to this word uh, from James. This is James, the brother of Jesus, talking here. And he says this. He said, look at it on screens, and this is from the New Living Translation. He said, if you need wisdom, okay, wisdom is the bank that we get so, so that we can make right decisions. It says, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. Right there. Here, guys, this is important. He will not rebuke you for asking. He's not going to embarrass you. Like, you, you need wisdom? I'm so embarrassed. Oh, great. No, he's not going to do that. But when you ask him, don't be afraid. Be sure that your faith is in God alone, all right? Make sure it's going that way. And don't waver, all right? Because a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as the waves of the sea. And he's tossed, he's blown and tossed about by the wind. That actually, that actually, that actually defines what a lot of guys are. And, and it says, such people, or let's just say such men, such men should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. You say, Pastor, that's hard. No, I'm just reading the Bible to you. It says, their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything that they do. The message is clear, my friend. You can't expect, you can't expect God to help you make quality decisions quickly and confidently if you're using the shifting value system of the world and the culture as your guide instead of his wisdom. Men, you will never feel secure and fulfilled and content if you have divided values, basically saying, I just want to kind of keep my feet in both worlds. Many times, I've, I've sat down with a man and I say, I just want to do this, or I just feel this. And I'll say, well, what do the scriptures say? Yeah, I know that, but I just feel this. It's like, but that's what the culture says. Yeah, but everyone else says that, and I just really would prefer to do that because the scripture doesn't make sense. And then I watch the disaster happen because that's nothing I can do. Man, man you want to feel secure? You want to feel strong? You, you, want, you want to move forward? Understand that you can go to God for that wisdom Amen. because authentic manliness is a refusal to use the world's value system as your guide. I mentioned this in my last message that it's critical that you have to have your values established, man, because values are the things that are really most important to you. Values are the things that you're willing to live for, and the things that you'll die for. I read mine to you guys uh, really a few weeks ago, kind of just, just putting some seed out there for this series of messages, and, uh, and, and, and you need to do it. For example, one of the things that I read off to you a while back is I, I, I say this or I proclaim this, that I add joy and purpose to people's lives. And, and that's important to me. That's something that I've always been important to me. But, but if, if I don't do it, 
but instead lean into the world's value system to make people feel devalued and angry and frustrated, then my stated values are phony. And I had no problem stating my values because I'm right in front of my family, and trust me, they know me. (laughs) So Rebecca and I, we were at a pastor's conference this last week in Los Angeles. And upon arrival, we were just so excited, nice, warm, sunny weather. Well, it it got out like, oh, this is not quite what we expected. I've never seen L.A. like this. And, and well, we took the little shuttle over to the rental car place. And and I'll just tell you, to be honest with you guys, it was a... Let's just say it was a less than desirable experience. Uh, we, we get outside. It's this, it's this outdoor check-in station, and it's quite chilly, and it's rainy, and it's wet, and there's this very long line that wraps around the building. And they just said, get in line. You see, there was a computer crash at the Avis location at LAX. This lady had, was in line right next to me, and, and uh, she was very angry. She, she had an employee coming to join her, and her employee, she says, my employee is getting here in a little bit. I'm going to find out why my name is not up there, why I'm not out of here with my car. I have things to do. I am important. Don't you know that? I said, where are you from? She says, I'm from Dallas. And I went, I don't know. She, she's close. She's close. I'm just going to be nice. And she's, her employee showed up, and, and she started chewing her out for not setting up the rental car properly, and nobody really knew what was going on, and nothing was being you know, given to us except just hold on. We were in line, and, and, and we're outdoors. I'm telling you, we're outside. And she sees this Mercedes sitting over there, and she says to me, because I'm making conversation. I'm going to have fun. You know? she, she said, they are going to give me that car for all the trouble they have caused me. I, w- I was just trying to get her to lighten up, and so I said back to her, I joked, I said, nah, they're going to give it to me because they're stressed out, and I'm going to give them some joy when I get back there. Right? I'm just going to choose to do that. I, she doesn't know me. I, I didn't say anything about anything except I'm just some dude. And I didn't even tell her I'm from here. But, but see, one of my values is to add joy and purpose to people's lives. So about 45 minutes later, we finally get to the counter, and there are about six guys up there, and you can see the stress all over their faces. It was, it was intense, and I, every one of them, they were just getting chewed out and chewed out and chewed out. And I get up there, the, the lady who's next to me is at the counter station. I said, I'm right here. And uh, I was just being authentic, really, with man. I felt sorry for him. And I just said, I can't imagine how tough this is. But I, I, said, I said, sir, I promise I will not chew you out. And he smiled. And, and I said, okay. He goes, well, we don't, we don't have your car. And, and uh, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be really happy here. Because this has happened to me once before. I actually went to Chicago, Chicago in the middle of the winter. And they, they didn't have my car. And I had, to, I had to take a taxi and pay $175 to get to my location. I, I, that all was coming back to me. And, and, and he, said, he said, sir, our lot is a mess. And we're going to have a very tough time finding a car in your class. He says, I'm going to have to go out into the parking lot to try to find something. I said, I'm going like, the cheap class? <laughs> okay, w- w- whatever. I, and then I just said to him, and I just smiled, and I said, well, the truth is, I will take an upgrade. I mean, just, just, just give me anything, whatever. Just take your time. Uh, I understand, and I'm, I'm sorry about all this happening. So he left, and he was gone for five minutes. I'm going, he's not going to have a car. I mean, in my mind, I, I, I think I'm, exp- I'm hoping for an upgrade, but, but you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, I know I'm going like, to get like a Nissan Versa. And if you drive that, that's great. It's a good economy car. It's very, very cheap. But, but, but the guy comes back, back to the counter, and he goes, I have a Mercedes SUV for you. I said, <laughs> what? I really, I said, I said, what? He goes, I have a Mercedes SUV for you. 
I said, I said and really, I'm just telling you guys, I didn't understand. I thought I was hearing wrong. It was like, like my ear, y'all pop up. I said, I don't really understand. He goes, I'll have a Mercedes SUV for you. And hands me. And I saw the emblem and I went, I have never driven a Mercedes in my life. I have a friend who drove me in his Mercedes last week, but that's it. And, and so, so uh, I, I took it and I'm going, and I looked at the lady next to me who was still chewing out her guy. I did this. I know it was wrong. I know it was wrong, but she didn't know I was a pastor. I went over to her and showed her the keys. I said, I got the Mercedes. Bye. <laughs> she said, no, no. She's like, no. And, and, and Rebecca, she, she's funny. She just, she said, you never should have put him to a challenge because he's going to win. And, and, and we, we get in the, we get in the thing. And it took me forever. I couldn't even figure out how to make the thing go. Uh, but, but I, I, while I was trying to figure out how to make it go, I found the receipt that was in there from the last renter. They accidentally left it in there. And I saw they paid $400 a day for that stupid vehicle. And I choked. But see, in this case, in this particular case, I chose to go against the cultural value of chewing out customer service folks. I instead followed my value of adding joy and pur purpose to people's lives, and I got blessed. The truth is, though, the whole time I never really figured out how the car worked, and several times I put it into neutral while driving down the freeway. And, and I was even embarrassed, because when I get out of the pastor's conference, I'm going, I'm not getting out of this thing and right here at the conference. And so I went and hid and parked in this faraway lot so nobody could see me, because it's like, I'm embarrassed that I even have this. But, but I was actually, in truth, is I was real, it was a blessing, but I was truly happy to come back home to my Ford. And, but it was nonetheless... A blessing. You see, some people will put together values lists, but their lists of values are meaningless because their values are based upon cliches such as I value family, I value health, I value integrity, and I value faith. But listen up. Your real values are not based upon what you do, excuse me, what you say. It's what you do. So, so I think we need to look at our actions, not our proclamations. God designed us as men in such a way that we can very easily tell what our values are. Because authentic manliness is this. It is seeing your time and money usage as evidence of your values. In other words, wise men who operate the way God intended and designed for us to function are intentional about examining themselves by examining time usage and money usage. Because what we value is based upon these things, not in just the things that we say. And it's interesting, many times I've, I've sat down with people who seem resolute on mending uh, messes in their lives, and they'll say things like, I'll do anything to save this marriage, or, or my kids mean everything to me, or I'm using everything possible, I want to do anything possible to fix this mess. But when I get specific with them and begin asking them how they're spending their time and how they're spending their money, the truth is, is that their actions silence their noble-sounding proclamations. And I found that a lot of people, for a lot of people, as a result, they're showing me that their marriage is not important and that God's not a priority and their children aren't a priority because their time and their money goes in the opposite direction. So men, here it is. Here's the challenge, and this is a good one. I love this challenge, and I take it. I have to do, excuse me, I have to do this challenge regularly in my life. I, I started doing it back when I was about 25 years old, and I hope you'll take this challenge. Listen carefully. Examine your spending from the beginning of the year till now. And honestly, given honest assessment of what your time usage looks like 24-7. If you need to even write it down, do it. 
because when you truly, what you truly value, then it will come to the surface. And, and whatever you see coming to the surface, that is to be the source in your decision making. And this will work 100% of the time. So what's driving your schedule? Is it social media? Is it spectator sports? Is it just going and needing to blow off steam all the time? Is it Netflix? Is it TV? Because whatever is most important to you, whatever you value the most will automatically receive the highest investment of time and money. And for me, everything important goes on my calendar. Here's how I do it. And I learned to do this a while back. And that even includes family time. My calendar, I'll just tell you it's full. A lot of people say this, and I hear this all the time. Well, I know you're busy, but, but the truth is I'm not busy. I'm not, I'm not I, but I am focused. I'm focused based upon my values. I simply schedule tight, and it works. It keeps me on my values. I, I never wonder how I'm going to spend a day. I never wonder how I'm going to spend an evening. I resisted doing this years ago, but uh, very early in my ministry life, I learned that if I don't set my own priorities, someone else is going to set them for me. That's why, that's why even with my phone and my computer, most of the pings and notifications are turned off. I, 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 I look at those things when it's appropriate to look at them, when it's the appropriate time. And every day my calendar speaks to me. My calendar, when I look at it the night before and then the next morning, it says, Tim Woody, remember this. These are the things that you said are important. I, I, I schedule my workout times, I schedule my date nights with Rebecca, I schedule family nights, Sabbath time, I schedule study time, I schedule time with God every day. In fact, even 15 years ago, my stress and my weight, because I, I was getting chunky, man, and my mental clarity, it just wasn't all there, and, and, and both a doctor and a manager of a gym spoke to me privately over the course of a couple of weeks, not knowing each other was talking to me, and they both said, you need to make some changes, Pastor, and I told them both in those wonderful, nice settings, so they took me to a restaurant, I said, I am too busy to make changes, and they both looked me in the eye, and they said, then your health is not really important to you. They both said that. Because you will find a time to do what you value. They were right, and I made the changes, and I found the time. So if I were to look at your calendar or your banking apps, what would it say to me? What would it say to the people who love you the most? What would it say to you? Because you are responsible for managing that. So man, I'm just asking, are you willing to take the challenge to embrace maturity and discover your values and start with this, this, this little examination that I gave you? And, and when you see values that are present in your life, because you will see those things, and every time I do this, I see these things. And when you see values that are destructive, not constructive, will you be willing then to change them? And when you do this, you'll find that decision-making will become a breeze, man. Most men want control of their lives. But this is actually how to do it. It starts by truly establishing your values, and then your decision-making will flow from that. It's time for us to be authentic men the way God designed us to be. Because authentic manliness is knowing that maturity means making quality decisions on your own. Growing up means you're going to make some decisions. 
Decide like I do to take time every single day to seek the guidance of God, to be armed with the timeless wisdom from the scriptures. And, and that's actually the best starting place for you because you will start making decisions then that are guided by God. God will guide your decision making. And, and God, though, men, he will not dictate your decision making. God gave us his word and God gave us his spirit, but he also gave us free will. He gave us the opportunity to grow up or not. And a man who honors God privately will show it by making good decisions publicly. Authentic manliness is wrapped up in five words from our scripture for the year. We read it a minute ago. No sloppy living for me. I tell you guys, Satan has an agenda for you. Satan has an agenda for every one of you, and that's to distort and control your values. And if he can do this, then you will employ wrong decision-making, and you will make disastrous decisions, or you will live in perpetual indecision, stripping yourself of manliness as you try to pursue masculinity, but it doesn't work that way. <laughs> Don't help the devil destroy your life and the lives of the people around you. You see... Life is a fight for territory. But when you stop fighting for what you truly want, then what you don't want moves in and takes over that territory. But, 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 here's the good news. If you just simply begin here to ask for God's guidance, you will receive it. If you, if you search the scriptures, you'll find it. Amen. But remember this, finding is reserved for the seekers. Wisdom and guidance from God, the hand of God moving you forward in life doesn't just happen because you think God's cool or something like that. It happens actually when you ask for it and you pursue it. And the biggest decision, the best decision though that a man can ever make is to be sold out to Jesus Christ and to be rock solid. Amen. Men, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you, and I want to encourage you because you can move forward here. You can move forward with this. You don't have to stay in indecision. You don't have to wonder what's going on or, or continue to make wrong decisions. I've given you the tools. I've given you the truth, and we just need to take this and take one step forward tomorrow, another step forward the next day. We can do this. i like everyone in this room just to move to a posture of prayer, and, and, and men, I, I want to pray for you, and here's what I'm going to ask you to do, just like I did this last week, would you just be bold enough and make a decision, just, just, to, just to lift your hand so I can see your hand, because when I see hands up, I'm going to connect my faith with those hands, I want to see your hands, and I want to connect with you, God, I pray right now for the men, these men who have their hands lifted in this room, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to have honest assessments of our time and money usage, and establishment of solid values in our lives, and that will consume your word, God, that we will delight in you, God. God, that we will be men who reject fear, that we will truly be manly, we'll be mature, we'll be decisive. God, help us. We need your help. And I thank you, God, that you are helping this church and these men to truly be the way you designed us to be. You can put your hands down, and right now I'd like for there to be no movement because really this here is now the most important part of today. Everyone in this room, would you just please close your eyes and focus internally? Maybe you're here today and you've never really surrendered your life to Jesus or over the course of your life you've drifted away from God. And 
you want to know this Jesus that we talk about here at City of Life, and you want a new beginning, and you're ready to embrace your sense of purpose. I want to give you an opportunity to respond today. And, and anyone in this room, if you would like to be included in this closing prayer and surrender your life to Jesus, I'm going to ask you just to do something simple. Just lift your hand for me, because faith is when we respond outwardly to what God is doing in our heart inwardly. And he died for you so that you can live forever, and everything in your life can change today. I'm going to give you a very clear signal as to when to lift your hand, and it's just simply going to be at the count of three. Lift your hand, and I'll connect my faith with yours. We're praying right now. Will you please do so? One, two, three. Will you lift your hands? Will you lift your hand? I need Jesus. Anyone in this room, I need Jesus. Today's the day I make that choice, that decision. Wonderful. I want you guys to all stand with me. And if you raised your hand, I want you, along with this entire congregation of believers, to decisively pray these words with me. Come on, let's pray these words, everyone, together. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. I believe, I believe you're the Son of God. Please forgive my sins. Today I give up my past and I embrace the expansive future that you have for me. Thank you for new hope. Thank you for new hope. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. For more information about how you can get involved with City Life locally, text CONNECT to 41411. Again, that's CONNECT to 41411. Or visit us online at citylifecenter.org. We would love to meet you.